Join with me in prayer. Father, you are great. You are greatly to be praised. Your name is exalted above all, above the heavens and the earth. You are creator. You have made us. You have designed us. You're not lazy. You're not slack. You do not sleep. You do not slumber. Your eyes are active. Your hands are active. Your heart is active. Father, you've redeemed us. You've saved us. You are the one who purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ. You're the one who has, who has cleansed us and declared us not guilty. You're the one who has prepared a place for us, a home for us for eternity, and a home for us on this earth, a family of brothers and sisters under the headship of Christ. Father, you've given us tasks and roles and responsibilities, and then you give us the, the, the ability to do those things and the reward that comes with those things. Father, you're great. You're worthy of our love. You're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our music. You're worthy of our money. You're worthy of our time. And so I pray that this morning that you'll just speak to our hearts. We sit at your feet. We want to listen to your word that you have recorded and that you have preserved for us. And I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. How great is our God. What a tremendous God we serve. Now, for those of you who don't know, I want to let you know something that is indisputable. My mama loves me. Now, I have an older sister. I have an older brother, but only by eight minutes, so it's not too much older. All right. And I have a younger sister. And we never really had any doubts that, my, that our mom loved us. I know that my mom loves me. I mean, she cared for me. Prenatally, postnatally, as an infant, as a child, she cared for me as I was growing up. I was surrounded by my mother's love and by my mother's care. And there was an incident early in my life that kind of broadened my understanding of the kind of love my mother has for me. Years ago, when my father was the pastor at Moaks Creek Baptist Church in South Mississippi, we had a friend down the road. He was an older man. His name was Mr. Green, and he had a garden, and it was a great garden. And one of the things that he had was strawberries. You guys know strawberries don't grow on trees? Have you guys ever picked strawberries? Do you know anything about strawberries? Where do they grow? Close to the ground. Well, Mom got my sister, and she got my brother and me. Baby sister was off somewhere else or being cared for by someone else. So she took the three of us out in the garden, and we started picking strawberries. Well, it was hot, and the strawberries were on the ground. And I don't know how long it was. It seemed like hours to me, but it was probably 10 or 15 minutes. And I called out to my mom, and I said, Mom, my back hurts. And my mom, who loves me and cherishes me, my mom, who made sure I was fed and clothed and had a place to sleep, my mom looked at me, and she said, Boy, you don't even have a back yet. Fill that bucket up with strawberries. At the time, I just thought, Mom, that's me. This is my mom talking to me this way. Mom, that's me. Of course, as I matured and as I grew and as I aged, I began to realize that was another expression of my mother's love. One of her phrases to us as boys as we, was coming up, as we were coming up was, Don't be slack. Don't be slack. You guys know what that means? Don't be slack. Don't be slothful. Don't be sluggish. Don't be less than intentional and less than committed. And less. 
Hey, this morning, all that comes to play because this is a fun sermon for me to preach in this congregation. It's not a fun sermon to preach in every congregation. And a lot of pastors struggle with it and won't preach it or won't preach it fully or preach it out of anger. I get to preach it out of joy because the title of this message is Everybody Serves. There is a place, a responsibility, a role, an opportunity, a ministry that God has given to everyone. Scott read this morning the parable of the talents. You remember the parable of the talents? One, the, the master gave five talents to. One, the master gave two talents to. And one, the master gave one talent to. And the one who had five doubled it. He got industrious. And this was a lot of resources. And so he worked hard. And when the master came back, he gave an accounting. You gave me five. I was fully engaged. I was not slack. I went to work. I did what you asked me to do. And it has doubled. And so now there's ten where there was five. To the one who has given two, again a substantial sum. He had given him two. He went to work. He did what the master asked him to do. And when the master came back and said, how's it going? It's accounting time. He was able to say, you gave me two. And look, I invested it. I worked. There's two more. Now there's four. Your investment has doubled. But how did it go with the one that the master had given one to? Radically different response. Do you remember it? It's in Matthew. We just looked at it a minute ago. I do want us to look at this in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 25 before we get to our preaching text for the day, even though this text does preach. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. He who had received one talent, this was the servant who he had given one to, he came forward, and I would imagine that he didn't spring forward. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure he was dragging his feet as he came forward. But he came forward and he said, Master, I know you to be a hard man. You reap what you do not sow. That just simply means you harvest where you didn't plant. You gather where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. By the way, you can circle that. That's a lie. That is not right. We'll find out the real reason what happened happened in just a minute. But he gave an excuse. I was afraid. That was not the issue. I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent, this resource, this, this thing you had given to me to invest. I went and I hid it in the ground. Here, I kept it safe for you, unused, untouched, wrapped up. Here's what you gave me. I give it back to you. How'd the master respond? Thank you for keeping it safe. Was that his response? No. What do you call him? Look on the screen. You, what? What's the word? Wicked. For a wicked, read disobedient. For a wicked, read disobedient. I gave you a job, you didn't do it. I gave you a task, you didn't do it. That's called disobedience, rebellion. That's why he calls him wicked. You wicked, you simply didn't do what I gave you to do. You wicked. And what else? You, is it slothful? We use that word a lot. You guys know what slothful means? Slow, lazy, lazy, for slothful, read lazy, you disobedient and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I had not scattered, where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money at the very least with bankers so that when I came back, I could have got what was my own with the interest that would accrued with it. And so what did the master do? He took his talent from him, gave it to the one who had ten, the one who had five and doubled it. 
For everyone who has will, be, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. Well, why in the world will we start in Matthew when we're studying Romans? Because we're talking about serving. Our text today is Romans chapter 12. And you guys know where we've been in this text. We started with, I beg you, I urge you, I appeal to you, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because God gave you mercy, God saved you, God cleansed you, God washed you, God declared you not guilty, God has set you free from the power of sin, God has given you a mission, a task, and a purpose. A purpose. God has been merciful to you. What do you do? You submit. You surrender. You present your bodies, your whole self, as instruments of righteousness, as living sacrifices, holy, set apart. You're God's now. Acceptable, pleasing. You want to do what pleases God now, which is your reasonable service. Service of worship. Your reasonable expression of love and appreciation. And you stand fast. You don't be conformed to the world that is always trying to conform you into its image. Don't be conformed. Rather, what do you do? You be transformed. You become something more fully and more completely new and different. Be transformed. Where does that take place? By the renewing of your mind. By taking out all the things that you have thought that weren't true and all the things the world tells you that's not true and all the things you heard from your family as you were growing up that was not true and all the things you heard in school that were not true and all the things that you hear on the TV that are not true and you take them and you replace them with the eternal truths of God's Word that applies to every circumstance and every situation and you believe the truth rather than the lie. And belief always determines behavior. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove your behavior. You demonstrate, you test, you discover what is that good and perfect and acceptable, that just right will of God for you. And don't be arrogant. <laughs> because when God uses us, we can get pretty proud that God used us. And he says, no, don't let any man think higher of himself than he ought. Rather, we ought to think according to the measure of faith, which is simply that we came to God bringing nothing and he brings us everything. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And he saved us. That faith that saves us. That faith that we place. That grace that saves us as we place our faith and our trust in him. Is the same way that we live. Dependent upon his power working within us. And then we value. We look around and we see who else is serving. And we value one another. As we serve different roles, different responsibilities, we value our brothers and sisters as God is using them. That's fun. We're empowered to accomplish whatever task, role he gives us. And then we get to this text today, very clear. Uh, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 6. Having gifts, those are charisma, that, that's a, um, uh, graces that God has given to us. And they vary, that differ according to the grace given to us. What are the next four words? There is, I won't, this needs to be a participatory sermon, okay? What are the next four words? Let. Oh, we can do far better than that. What are the next four words? Let us use them. Let us use them. If you're taking notes on your outline, and I would encourage you to do so. What is the first thing? You need to embrace your role as a steadfast servant. You need to recognize that God has called you to be a servant that is steadfast. And some of you may be saying, wait, 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 wait. That is not the gospel I heard. The gospel I heard was that I, God's here to save me and cleanse me. 
make a place for me. He's here to be sufficient for me and heal me and keep me sick and uphold me with, with his strong right hand. God's here to make my path straight. God's here to make sure that when I walk through the fire, I don't get burned. God's here to make sure that when it's rained, I stay dry. You know, God's here to, to care for me. What, what is this about me serving him? And I will tell you that we have really, in many cases, communicated an unclear and even a false gospel when we say come to God for your good we come to God for his glory and he saves us and he redeems us and when we come to him we come to him saying here I am all that I am all that I have all, all, the, all that I can possibly be everything that you give me the capacity for I lay at your feet here I am use me now we those are former Messages. We've talked about those as we've gone through the series. But I want to just get this settled in. We are called to serve as a demonstration of our worship, our adoration to the God who saved us. So be a servant. Be a servant. As a matter of fact, if you are saved, you are a servant. The question is, what kind of servant are you? Now, I will tell you, this text is not about what you can get. This text is about how you are to give, how you are to serve. That makes sense? Because a lot of times we think, well, the church is here to serve me. The church is here. I want to go and hear inspiring sermons. I want to go and be part of a small group where, where I am equipped. I, I want to go to the church and... Yeah, that has the best coffee or, or donuts. By the way, donuts are always a win. Just going to check that out there, right? I want to go to a church that has the best children's program, which is, I think, important, a good thing to think about. I, I want to go to a church that has the best facilities. I want to go to the church that, that has all of these things that meet my needs, meet my needs, meet my needs. Do you understand the, the wrong focus there? Do you understand the wrong focus there? You understand that, that we are set up to be consumers? The world teaches us how to be consumers. You don't believe me? Go check out Amazon. The world teaches us how to be consumers. And we get in this locked-in consumer mindset. And we need to recognize in this text, and as believers, we're on the other side of that equation. We're the servants we're the ones who are called to serve. But a side note, when you give, when you serve obediently, trusting in God, you do receive. Hebrews 6.10, the writer of Hebrews says, God is not unjust. He does not overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints. God knows how you serve. You get reward now. You get the good things happen now. But you're storing up treasure in heaven. You remember Matthew chapter 13 and 14. We, we're storing up treasure. You will be rewarded. But God knows what you do. Your work and the love you have shown for His name in serving the saints. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope in the end, so that you may, and here's another S word, not be sluggish, slothful or sluggish, but rather be imitators of those who faith, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So this sermon's for everyone. This sermon's for those of you who are already serving, which is a lot of us, praise the Lord. This is a celebration sermon for us. 
But it's also for those of you who haven't found your place of service or haven't been willing to serve. Are you just willing to kind of dip a toe in every once in a while and do a little bit here and do a little bit there? You've not embraced your role as a servant. And some of you may have some pretty good excuses for that. I've heard a bunch of them. I'm too young. I'm too young. Uh, now tell it to Samuel who was left by his mother at the temple after he had been weaned. Tell it to David who was anointed as king over Israel when he was a young boy tending sheep as God prepared him. Tell it to Timothy, the young man who not only was apprenticed to Paul but then was deployed in ministry. As a matter of fact, tell it to Caleb Pierce who when we had a meeting to say, how can you serve the church? Signed up for the prayer team, signed up to be an usher, signed up to serve. How old are you, Caleb? Um, 11. 11. Where's your excuse? Oh, I'm not too young. I'm too old. Well, tell it to Abraham. You know his story? He began to see God fulfilling His promise in him when he was a hundred years old. Tell it to Daniel. When Daniel was cast into the lion's den, he had served four separate kings. He had done it over a period of about 50 years, and in all likelihood he was close to 70 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den because of his faithfulness. And service to God. I'm too old. Tell it to Simeon in the temple. Who had asked God, I will serve you. I will be here. I just want to be here when the Messiah comes. And God saw fit to answer his prayer. And he got to hold the promised Messiah in his hands. I'm too old. Tell it to Sue Forrester who died at 945 this morning. 105 years old. In April she would have been 106. And in her 70s, went to Peru to serve on a mission field for a period of time. A life of service she had had throughout her life. I'm too young. No. I'm too old. No. How about, I don't know enough. You're as smart as Peter. This fisherman who was uneducated. This fisherman who had not been to seminary or Sabbath school other than what was normal for the children of his age. This fisherman who God used to stand on the temple mount, speak to the leaders of his age in such a way that they looked at him and said, how in the world can these uneducated fishermen from Galilee speak with such authority? Oh, now we get a little bit personal though. I would serve more. I would serve better. I would serve, but I'm too busy. I've got too much stuff going on. My calendar's full. We'll see what we can work in. Can I just tell you that the first point here is you need to embrace your role as a servant. This is the work. There's an echo. (laughs) (laughs) This is the work. You are called. I'll go further than that. You are created, designed, And saved to glorify God. And to make disciples of all nations. You are called and saved to do whatever whatever He demands. You are called 
to obedience, step by step, in full dependence. This is the work. And if you are too busy for this work, you are too busy. And you need to stop some things and do the things that matter. Or you may say, it's too much. I don't get a lot of time off. I would think about doing this ministry or doing that ministry, but it will, it will inhibit my golf game. <laughs> or I will miss out on my favorite TV series. Or it will cut into my reading time. Or I'll miss out on friend time. And can I tell you that, yeah, you will miss out on things when you do what's right. When you're obedient, there are things you're going to miss out on. And you have to say no in order to say yes to that which is greater, that which is higher, that which is better, that which matters for eternity. You with me? Oh, we're running out of excuses. No, there's more. Here's one I heard just not too long ago, a few months ago. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What if I mess up? I'm afraid. What if I fail? Can I just point out a couple of things here? I would serve, but I can't serve in this area. I'm so anxious and I'm so nervous. And you might be anxious and you might be nervous. Can I tell you that that is the opposite of trust? That that is telling, it it is Moses in Exodus 4.11. Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. And what did Moses say? Uh, 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 I stutter. And God said, I made your mouth, buddy. I can put words in it. And it is okay for you to be anxious and it is okay for you to be nervous. It is not okay for you to be anxious and nervous to the point where you don't obey. Where you don't take that step. Because not only is it an opportunity for me, it is an opportunity for God to demonstrate His faithfulness to you. You want to grow in faith? Do something that scares you to death. You want to grow in trusting God in difficult circumstances? Get in difficult circumstances and see God be faithful. Listen, you can be afraid, which is the opposite of trust, but it is the opportunity to experience God's provision as you, maybe with much fear and trembling, obey and serve. What about this excuse? Right now, I'm at the stage of life where I need to be focused on other things. Just my family. Just my family. I mean, God gave me parents. I've got to take care of my parents. God gave me kids. I've got to take care of my kids. God gave me a spouse. I've got to take care of my spouse. And I am not devaluing family. If God gave you those things, praise the Lord. You ought to fulfill those responsibilities. How do you best fulfill those responsibilities? <laughs> By obediently serving God in the roles that he assigns to you. How do you teach your kids that their lives aren't for their own pleasure, but they're for a greater purpose? We're concerned about our kids not staying in church when they grow up. It may be because we're not faithful in church when they're young. It may be because we don't allow the church the people of God and the ministry and the task of God to so be valued in our own home that it does not become a value for our kids. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be responsible for your kids' decisions as they're an adult, but I am saying that you need to 
teach your kids what it means to be a steadfast servant of God because as they come to know Christ and God rescues them and saves, you, saves them, that is their role as well. How about this? Well, I would serve on a team, but I don't like the people who are already serving there. Or I don't like the way they do it. You know, I, I'd be happy to be on the praise team if it were bluegrass. <laughs> Cody will sign you up, by the way, if that's the, if that's the case. Yeah, do you understand? And I don't mean to be silly. You know, I'd be happy to sing if we sang only hymns. Or I'd be happy to sing if we had more rock music. And I don't want to start worship wars. We, are, we don't have worship wars here. We're here to worship, not war. Amen? Okay. Now, you can have your preferences. We're here to exalt God through the lyrics. and through. Alan and I would be thrilled to have Southern Gospel every week. Right. I mean, we, we've got some preferences and, and taste. You're welcome to your preferences and taste. Our value is doctrinally sound, theologically accurate, God-focused, congregationally engaged. Amen? Very simple. Very simple. Now, here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we say, well, I would serve if they do it my way. I would serve if I like the people better. Here's the deal. That is not an excuse for serving. The people that are already serving are no more perfect than you are. You get to join the team. You get to ask God how you can come alongside of them and help them. Pray for God to open their eyes to legitimate issues that far surpass any preferences. Pray for God to remove your prejudices and preferences. Trust God to accomplish His purposes through all through you all working together. And it may be your presence that makes the difference in how the ministry is conducted so that it's improved for the glory of God. We're just on point one. Can I encourage you to embrace your role as a steadfast servant? Are we good there? We got the mindset right? Now, there are a lot more excuses. I'm not going to go through them. But one of them that I've heard recently, and I, heard, I hear often, this is a recurring one, is I don't know my gifts. I, I don't know my gifts. We haven't done a gift assessment. I haven't filled out the little circles on the pages and run it through the machine to tell me, what my giftedness is. Well, we have some gifts here. Romans chapter 12. We've got prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, contributing or generosity, leading and acts of mercy. We'll go ahead and read the, the next section of this, verse 7. Well, let's pick up in verse 6b. Well, let's just read the whole verse. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. There's point one. Embrace your role. What about those gifts? If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches, there's a gift, in his teaching. For the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes, the giver, in his generosity. The one who leads, the one who administrates and organizes with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, compassion, and kindness. Let him do it with cheerfulness. Here's a list of seven. Are there other lists? Maybe you say mine's not on that list. Well, there is. First Corinthians chapter 12, we have a whole other list. Ephesians 4, we have another list. First Peter, excuse me, chapter 4, we have another list. It's interesting, though. Know, here's what I want you to understand. I don't want you to get stuck on the list. What is characteristic of these things? They're generalities. They are categories. They are characteristics. 
that can define a specific place of service, but can define how service is done. As a matter of fact, take a moment and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look there really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the other passage that has a longer, more complete list of gifts and that addresses how the, the congregation is to serve God by serving one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's how he starts in verse 1. We'll start in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about specific gifts, and he's addressing some specific situations in that congregation in Corinth. And he gives some Truths that are, that, are, that are eternal truths. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the very same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, if you keep reading, you'll come up with another list. There are seven, eight different items on this list that are giftedness that God gives to the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, he gives people. He gives uh, apostles. He gives prophets. He gives evangelists. He gives pastor teachers. In 1 Peter chapter 4, which is a, an excellent passage to read, 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And he just gives two. Whoever speaks as the one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, speaking and serving. Now here's a few things about this list. I don't want you to get hung up on these lists, because sometimes we make spiritual gifts some sort of mystical thing in our lives, and we're like, ooh, I've got to determine my spiritual gifts, and I'm just going to wait till God to move me, and it's got to be... Listen, what does he say in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12? He says, number one, we're all given a gift, a manifestation of God's Holy Spirit, at least one. But these gifts overlap, and they have to be expressed in the life of the, of the church. It's for the common good, chapter 12, verse 7, for the good of one another, for the good of Christ's body. And these are not job descriptions. These are not job descriptions. First, uh, the church at Corinth was one church there, uh, and, and Rome was a much larger church. The church at Ephesus, it was a, the, the book of Ephesus is a circulating letter. When Peter writes, he's writing to all the believers in Asia Minor. And the point of this is simply that the, 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 the more focused the letter and the list, the more general, the more specific, the, the more specific the target audience, the more specific the gifts. The broader the audience, the shorter the list of gifts. Did I get that out? I stumbled over that. Peter, writing to the biggest group, says, speak and serve. You get to Corinth, and he's dealing with a specific set of circumstances at Corinth, and he gives some specific giftedness. Romans, he's speaking to Romans, he gives just seven things, and they're generally broad categories. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he says there are varieties of gifts, there are varieties of service, there are varieties of activities. And so here's the point. Don't get caught up on a list. 
Find your place and fill it. Now don't disregard the list. You may be generous. You may have the gift of teaching. You may have the gift of administration and that inclination and those capabilities. But there are varieties of gifts. There are varieties of service, diakonos. There are varieties of activities, energeion, energies, work, things that we are to do. And so the way that we find this is we apply this to our congregation. What are the things that need to be done to accomplish that God is calling us to do? And we step up and we fulfill that role. We find our place and we step into it to serve God in the ways that He would have us to serve. It is God who empowers them all and every one. We're to find our place and fill it. We're to man a post. We're to see if we have an aptitude to do it well. You're to step into ministry obedient to God that meets the need of the local congregation to accomplish His purpose. Now what happens if you get there and you don't think that's the place for you to serve? It may not be. It may be that you get to a place and you have to redirect and say, this is not for me. This is not where God wants me to use, use me. I can move. That's why we don't sign people up for a lifetime here. You understand that, right? You can volunteer to teach in the children's department. It doesn't mean you're going to die in the nursery. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can get into an area of ministry, serve there for a while, and then God may direct you to a different area of ministry. It's important. You may not think you need to be there. You can try someone that someplace else. It may be that God put you there because he wants to refine his character in you by putting you into a difficult circumstance. In which case you stay and allow him to shape you. The leadership may come to you and say, listen, one of my favorite stories in this church. You guys remember Cecil Buchanan? He's a member of this church for a long time. Cecil told me a story shortly after he got here. He said, we were doing great as a church. This was in the, I think it was the early 70s. Had a great choir, and the choir director was concerned because the choir was getting smaller, and so he made these passion plea for people out of the congregation to some, come sing in the choir. Cecil said, I signed up, and I went to choir, and I went to sing in the choir, and he let me stay for two weeks before he came to me and said, Cecil, this is not your calling. Said, so I left there and joined the property committee. <laughs> okay. can, can I tell you that it's okay for us to be flexible in this? It's okay for us to say this is a gift of area, area gifted for you. This is not. Let's find the place that fits for your good and for God's glory. Man, I thought this was going to be a short sermon. Let me just skip ahead to the next part of this if I can. Here's the exhortation of the second one. You've got a place that God wants to use you in the life of the congregation that you're a member of. Find it. Fill it. Yes? Pretty straightforward, right? All right, but how do you fill it? I love this. Okay, I'll serve. I guess I have to. I don't really want to, but I'll show up. Make sure you have coffee when I get there. <laughs> and don't talk to me till after the second cup. And I'll serve, but I'm going to do it my way. And if you don't like it, then I just won't serve. Or I'll serve, but I'll just be glad when it's over. So what, what's, the, what's the third point? It's how we serve. We serve with zeal. We serve with enthusiasm. Isn't that what you read in the text that we just had? Isn't that what we read? 
We're to contribute generously, lead zealously, do acts of mercy cheerfully. We're to exhort with exhortation. We're to teach and be prepared for that. Do it with enthusiasm. We're called to be in God. En theos. En theos. Enthusiasm. We're called to serve as unto the Lord. Serve as empowered by God. So we do the work that God calls us to with enthusiasm. God working in us. Colossians chapter 3. We're to serve and do the work that God gives us to do heartily as unto the Lord. Now there's one other thing I want to say. Or actually two things and I'm going to close with this. But yeah, when you serve, do it heartily. Do it with a good attitude. God shaped my attitude. God, I, I'm excited to be here. Do it because you're doing it for the Lord. Whether it's greeting, parking, uh, teaching, organizing, working with children, working with senior adults, homebound, prayer ministry, usher ministry, whatever it is, as unto the Lord. Do it with an attitude. Father, teach me. Let me grow. How can I use this for your glory? There's a broader purpose here. Your glory, your good through this church. But a lot of times we get locked into this is my ministry. This is what I do. And this is how I do it. I love Paul. First Corinthians chapter 15, I think, it, no, 16. He says, I want to come visit you guys, Lord willing. Second Corinthians chapter 1, he says, I hadn't come to see you because God wasn't willing. I want to come if the Lord will let me. I hadn't come yet. God hadn't let me. Can I just throw out a word there? Flexibility? Sensitivity? Flexibility? We need to be willing to say, all right, God, you be God. I'm not. You can change my plans. You can change the direction. I want to be obedient to you today. God changes plans according to his choice. God always makes adjustments to our expectation. And when we serve, we do it enthusiastically. We do it with flexibility. We do it with thanksgiving. We do it gratefully for the privilege that we have to serve. And, and really the point of the message is we do it dependently. We do it trusting in God to do it in us and to do it through us. We do it dependently. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. For I think we have a good example here of anywhere in Scripture of being used by God as a steadfast servant finding his place and filling it, doing it thankfully, doing it enthusiastically, doing it flexibly, but doing it dependently. Paul says, I got a job. It's Christ, I proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's the position description, and there are multiple ways that I do this. How do I do this? I toil, toil, T-O-I-L, toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul says, I'm all in, and because I'm all in, he's all in. And he accomplishes his work through me. I work dependent upon God who works in me. Wow. We should have allotted, who said it? We should have allotted two hours for this sermon, okay? But we won't. Can I just encourage you according to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8? That you need to embrace your role as a steadfast service, which means you've got a place to feel. Find it. Fill it. And as you fill it, fill it with an attitude of enthusiasm, thanksgiving, flexibility, and dependence upon God to accomplish His work in us and through us. Because it's not about us. 
It's not I. It's Christ in me. Father, I want to thank you. Did you give us a call? I thank you for this congregation. This is a working, serving congregation. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to serve you alongside of one another. In the differing roles, graces, gifts, services, ministries, activities that you give us. I thank you for the many expressions of people who, who are growing through their service. And I pray, Father, that you'll just increase that. I pray that you will increase and improve our, our, our continual growth and dependence upon you, our attitude of thanksgiving and embracing the opportunities. We are grateful that you allow us to be part of your work in the world. Help us to live dependent upon you, placing our trust in you, which means we find the role that you have for us and we fill it and we trust you to be glorified in it as we yield and commit ourselves to you. Father, we love you. In your name I